Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Happy opening day, Nationals fans. Uh, there were a little fu- late there, Bob. Well, what? A little late there. Huh? Did I miss it all? You missed everything. Everything. Yeah, the whole thing was yesterday. All the fireworks, the flyover, the national anthem. All that stuff happened the player at introductions Park on Thursday. The yeah. beautiful skyline. Fun fact, yeah. I don't know. Actual you know baseball that. that actually matters. You might have been confused because the Nationals didn't score any oh. runs. So, you know, they... Maybe that's they, why I got... Kind maybe of lost in the woodwork there. The offense might have been confused as to whether it was. Yeah, to, they might have thought it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because that would actually make sense instead of doing you know a Thursday. Uh, well, you got to save a day in case for weather, Paul. Outdoor stadium in the northern states. That's who who cares? Okay, I mean, I mean, who? people care. MLB <laughs> cares. Welcome back into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancana, with you as always. Okay. Just to be clear, we were at Nationals Park yesterday. Yeah. There was a baseball game played. We it, were there a little too early. It did say. count. We were there at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Cold. Um, the game wasn't until uh, 1 o'clock. But, right. But, to be fair, uh, we did an excellent job. Kudos to you, Paul. Thank and you. Carol Maloney. We did an excellent we job on Mass so and All Access. Got great interviews. We are so great. Talked to Matt, uh, Mike Rizzo, uh, Byron Kerr, Mark Zuckerman. Got new... Dan Colco. Nat, Nat's extra pre- and post-game show host Dan Colco to chat about the Nationals on the season opener. Aside from the score, all around, it was a great day. True. A lot of fun. True. Uh, opening day is always a special day. Aside from the actual game, it was a great day? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Everything it, but Max Scherzer's performance. Right, right. Obviously, a lot to get into. Just one game. Um, Mark Zuckerman kind of alluded to it in his morning post today. Because of the off day after opening day, all we have to do today is... There's only one thing to do, and it's just dissect every single little moment we can from the one game we've seen that actually counted. Which, by the way, is point zero. I looked it up. Point zero, zero point six one seven percent of the season. So less, you know, a uh, little bit more than half a percent of the season. So was not yesterday. So not halfway there. We are not halfway there. Buddy. Oh boy. All right. Well, still we a lot were, of baseball to be played. We were one pitch in, and we're like. We we literally watched our social lives flicker yeah. away into the just as into Max was throwing the first pitch. It was I, they just disappeared. I could hear my girlfriend saying, "See you never." <laughs> like, okay. I could hear her breaking up with me yeah. for never seeing her. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll see you in hopefully November. <laughs> um, all right, so yes, the Nationals lose to the Mets two nothing opening day. Um, Max Scherzer struck out twelve. He was phenomenal. He was his. We we got. A great pitching matchup. The last two NL Cy Young Award winners going toe-to-toe and Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Yep. Uh, it was everything everyone hoped for. They both struck out double digits. DeGrom was able to uh, fan 10 Nationals. Max bested him with 12. Um, but the Mets were able to bet the nat- best of the Nats on the scoreboard with the 2-0 win. Um, Paul, I want to get into just a quick, like I said, day-off day off day all we have, all we have, all we can do is dissect every moment from opening day. <laughs> so I just want to get in a couple, of, you know, with a oh, with a win, we would be talking about, oh, what a great day, opening day, everyone was there. Yeah. Um, the Nationals came over with a W, a curly W. They were not able to do so. So now we have to talk about the bad stuff and dissect every little thing that went wrong yesterday on the field. And I wanted to get your opinion. If is it an overreaction 
or not in terms of these couple of statements. Sounds good. All right. So the first one off the off the cusp. We talked about Max Scherzer, his start, seven and two thirds innings, twelve strikeouts. Yep. Gave up the one home run to Robinson Cano. The but the Nationals wasted yet another Scherzer gem. Cause for concern, yes or no? Is that an overreaction, or do you think it's okay? In terms of the offense, r- wasting that? Yes, that yes. Or um, the Nationals overall just wasting? Yeah. We we did honestly see it happen quite a lot last year. Right. I think that's why, you know, you carry the concerns and the, the good feelings. Like, you carry everything over until the next season, you know? And I think it's going to take a while for um, the Nats to kind of shake off the uh, the the – I would guess the stereotypes that they're going to suffer from this year because people already have a narrative in their head. In terms of that particular one, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not concerned. Jacob, not concerned just yet. Jacob Degrom is Jacob the bleeping Grom. I mean, he uh, you know he was awesome yesterday. The Nats actually got some hits off him. It was just a matter of stringing them together. Um, so I'm not all that concerned. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. So a stat I was able to pull from a local DC radio host who will not be up. named. Um, <laughs> it was Danny Rie. I uh, don't okay. mind mentioning him. The Nats lost eight, 18 games last season when their starting pitcher turned in a quality start. The only teams with more were the Orioles and the Mets, who were both bad teams. Um, if the Nats would have been league average in that statistic, they probably would have won the division. Probably. So, it's kind of like we're picking up right where we left off last year. Max is a pit. Match is great. Yep. He pitches well, gives your team a chance to win, but you're not able to pull it out, and now you're 0-1 to start the season. Yeah. Um, well, I think it has to do with, you know, the fact that they left a lot of runners on base. Yeah. has to do with the fact that they made uh, – Victor Robles made one boneheaded play at one point. Yep. That might have stopped a rally. Look, all they needed was two runs. Um, and it also has to do with the fact that, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but Davey Martinez made a pretty questionable decision at one point. So little things, I think, hurt them. I'm not, I think this offense is going to score runs. I do. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact, you know, I think they are in a better place right now in terms of their offense than they were at this point last year on opening day with Daniel Murphy, who was their off, not was their offense, but was a huge part of their offense for so long. Remember last year he was injured at this point. He didn't come back for a while and he didn't quite look like himself. And Ryan Zimmerman was injured. And so I feel better about this team right now in terms of the offense. And I think they're going to score runs. I think yesterday was you ran into a good pitching matchup. That's all. That's honestly all I think it was. Okay. Yeah. And I I tend to agree. I think max one out of five days, give me that chance to win every single time. Um, And um, I think it's just, Caught up in the moment of opening day at home against a division rival, great pitching matchup, and you come out on the losing end. I think that's what people are like, kind of just upset. It's like, darn it. Yeah. But also coupling that with the fact that it happened quite a bit last season, that's part of the reason why they didn't end up in the postseason. Yeah. All right. So we're both on the same page there in terms of no need to overreact about wasting another Max Scherzer gem. We talked about the base running. Victor Robles, the big blunder um, with a chance. To tie the game, I believe the situation was run in the third inning. Runners on the corners, no outs. Something like that. I honestly one, can't remember exactly. It was one out, actually, because it ended up being a double play. Right. Um, and the ball is hit to the left side of the field. They get the out at second, and Victor breaks for home plate and gets caught in a rundown and yeah. is thrown out. Cause for concern that in the sense that all offseason, all during spring training, yeah. we heard – Davey Martinez preached, we're going to work on the small things. 
base running defense. We're gonna, there are going to be days we're not taking bats out to the field, and we're just going to work on base running. And from the get-go, it only took three innings before – I'm not going to say it cost them the game because it was so early on in the game, but, you know, you look back at what could have been, that could have been a tie game right there, and the game could have gone completely different from there. I think it sucks that Victor Robles was the guy that was in that situation because he is 21 years old and has only played – what about 50 major league games so I think that was a I think that was honestly just one of those cases of this is a young guy who has not played all that many major league games who uh, got caught in a bad situation and made the wrong decision and you know the thinking is the idea is that's gonna that could take time that's gonna take time for him personally and also for the team if you, you can't just expect a magic fix. So one spring training, you focused on fundamentals. Now the team is going to be... This is stuff you have to learn as the season goes along. And I think it wasn't just the fact that the Nats, you know, didn't preach that stuff out of the gate. It's the fact that they didn't... The guys didn't get better at it as the season went along. If they, if Victor Robles can learn from that situation and get better as the season goes along, then I, I, I wouldn't be concerned. So I, I, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. That being said, bad luck. Very bad luck. Right. Um, yeah. Because... Like you said, Bobby, that that was what their message was. And when you say that we're going to focus on the fundamentals in spring training, you better be good at the fundamentals when the actual regular season games hit. Yeah. So they kind of set themselves up for that, and it sucks that it came out that way with a 21-year-old being thrown out on the bases on yeah. opening day. Um, but that's kind of what they set themselves up for. It's just they have to limit those kind of situations and uh, scenarios. Yeah, I'm going to retweet you right there uh, because I... Can you throw me a favorite as well, Bob? Um, no, just a retweet. I, just a retweet? Yeah. Uh, because I agree that the fact that it was Victor Robles is both bad but also kind of okay because it's like he's technically still a rookie. Yeah. Um, he's a young guy. He was trying to... I mean, it's hard... There's a balance. You you preach fundamentals, but you also preach aggressiveness in every sport. You you got to be able to. There's a balance between both. Now, yep. Davey Martinez preached both during this camp because you know we haven't. He said we want to work on fundamentals. We can't we can't leave outs on on the base pass. Yep, he wants Trey Turner to run every single time he gets a chance. Now Trey Turner is one was of, three for three, right? And he's one of the best base stealers in all of baseball. Victor Robles is also very fast, um, but you know it's it's. It's just unfortunate that it was the the young guy who got caught in that. It would have been a way worse look if it was a vet who got caught in that. Right. It's like, what are you doing? You yeah. you know what you should be doing there. Exactly. Um, that also being said, I'm going to add on to it. Looking at the play, I think it was a double play either way you look at it. I don't think Victor Robles scores. I saw right. someone on Twitter mention, Victor, you just got to break. You just got to – because he, he ran – he got caught yeah. in a rundown. He ran halfway and stopped. Right. When That's the, the one thing you can't but do. But we either. were watching, and I, I, I he was going to get thrown out anyways. The ball beat – I mean, he, again, right. the ball was already at home plate when he was halfway down the baseline, so yeah. he was he was going to be out by a mile. I mean, even if he breaks right when the ball is hit, yeah. whoever – I think it was the third baseman, whoever fields the ball is just going to throw it a catcher. He, yeah. I think either way, it was just going to be a double play. They weren't going to score there. So it's not totally his right. fault they didn't score because even if he does – break i mean it's it was a pretty routine double play now obviously anything can happen and you stopping halfway doesn't help but i mean i think right. the percentages well, are pretty high that it was going to be a solid double play right regardless of where they went with the ball well if he was told to go home then you know that's on the third base coach or that's who you know i don't know exactly who gave him the signal or whether he just made that decision when the throw was made to second base but 
you know, then if it, if if there is no chance and they fielded that cleanly and they made a nice pl- out at second base, if if there was no chance he was going to make it home, then just stay on third. Yeah, is the idea. So, and then you have a runner on third with you know two outs and you still have the chance to drive him in so you know it's still it's still a blunder either way i think yeah so a blunder either way uh also like i said double play either way which kind of leads me into my next topic in terms of are we overreacting uh the runner the nats can't score with runners on base they went one for seven with runners in scoring position yesterday including that particular play they left six on base yesterday against the mets um, and, and that in and, and close games like that, yeah. two nothing for the most part of the game, it was one nothing. That that's going to cost that costs you those one run ball games and those close games, especially against division rivals, that are going to add up into the regular season. Yeah, um, calls for concern that the Nationals can still cannot score like they did last year. A lot of t- a lot of open spots that they weren't able to capitalize on can't score with runners in scoring position. Well, I looked this up because I wanted to see how they did last year because we talked about all the little things and that hurt them last year, and one of those things was leaving guys on base. They had the second most runners left on base in all of 2018 of any team. Ouch. That being said, you have to have runners on base in order to drive them in. You know who left the fewest runners on base last year? The Baltimore Orioles, ah. so they hadn't, they didn't have anybody on base <laughs> yeah, to in order leave. to drive in. Yeah. Ah, that's what like that meme, like can't leave runners on base if you don't have runners on base. Exactly, and uh, you know the team that led them in runners on base, left on base was the Cubs, who had a disappointing year. So two kind of disappointing teams right there. But you know, around them, close to them was the Dodgers, who just had a ton of guys on base. They just, you know, you can't drive in every single guy that you have on base. So. Um, I honestly, I'm one of the believers that, you know, Stathead say that like there's no such thing as like clutch. So like, you know, a guy is going to hit the same pretty much, you know, whenever, if there's a guy on base, if there's not, um, you know, the other baseball side of it might say, oh, they're, you know, they're clutch guys and they're not clutch guys. So um, I'm, I'm of the belief though, that like those kind of things average out. Like if you're a good hitting team, you will drive in those runs just because on average you will draw, you know, yeah. the guy will get the hit when he needs to. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think it's, it's tough. It looks bad. You know, would we be saying the same thing if they had two hits off the ground? You know, yeah, right. they, Probably not. they got more hits off of him. They just weren't able to drive them in. Well, so. that's kind of my concern, though, is that you got a pitcher on the mound like DeGrom. You do get hits off him. You guys get you got you Agreed. get guys on base. You have to capitalize on that if you're going to beat Agreed. someone like a Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, um, there, there are two sides. to that. If point. he if he's right. So if he's giving you if he's giving you pitches to hit and you're just not hitting them, that's to me, that's the cause of concern. And you mentioned guys who come up clutch. Uh, I think of another spot. It happened right out of the gate. Bottom of the first. Trey Turner gets on base, steals second. Juan Soto draws a walk. Up comes Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. And he lines out. I mean, granted, he put a great hit on it. He he smacked the ball, and, and the third baseman made a fantastic diving catch. But just another opportunity. And that particular person, Ryan Zimmerman, how many times last year did we see him coming up in clutch spots and you couldn't deliver? Whereas back to 2017, he was almost a comeback player of the year candidate, if not winning it, and was just slugging the ball all over the field like Ryan Zimmerman of old. I mentioned in my other podcast in my in our baseball preview. You now Ryan Zimmerman is a candidate who the Nationals really need to have a real big, strong comeback season this year if they're going to succeed. And and that when those type of situations, when Davey Martinez has him batting that far down the lineup, let's see, he was batting fifth. 
with Eaton, Turner, Rendon, Soto ahead of him, he's going to have RBI opportunities. The key right there is can he capitalize, and he wasn't able to do it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, still, I mean, I, I hate to sound like I'm, you know, the everything is fine, kumbaya. I'm more, on the- I'm usually like that too, so <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't need to apologize but to me. I just, uh, I, I think it'll be okay. I mean, Juan Soto struck out um, at a critical point in the game, and he was so frustrated at himself waving at a, at a pitch that was out of the strike zone, and, you know, he almost, like, slammed the bat on his ground. That, Juan Soto was, like, the clutch, most clutch hitter on the Nationals last year. I, so, I, like, probably was. Got, you know, the, the, I think in terms of that, if now, if they're not a good hitting team, they're not going to score runs. That's, that's the big thing, you know. Like, if they underperform at the plate, period, then they're not going to score runs. But I think... Um, you know, if if they are a good hitting team, if they hit for average and they hit for power, then they'll be fine in terms of winning games like that because by default, they will fall into, you know, driving in runs. So right. That, that, is, that is not a huge concern for me. Another guy in terms of this conversation that draws concern is Anthony Rendon. I mean, this is a guy who, by the way, every time he's up to the plate, the, cr- the crowd in front of us at the press box chanting. That was wild. Chanting, lock him up, lock him up. And t- not... In a prison, Paul. Don't get me. Don't <laughs> well, get them. Don't get them mistaken. In terms of a long term contract, I'll tell you. Also, lock him up. There's some. There are some words in there that, if you're not in front of the person, can sound an awful lot like other words that we can't say. We can't say. This is a family program. Family broadcast. But yeah. Uh, also, did kind of sound. Once we realized what they were saying, we we're like, we get what you're saying. Kind of sounds like you're at a political rally and yep. you're arguing for something in mm-hmm. 2016, not what they were doing. Um, also, was it worth it, guys? I mean, th- they were <laughs> they were well coordinated. I will say, yeah, um, it like, was this it, the first time they did it. They got a good amount of people doing it, yeah. but after Anthony Redone's third at bat, like it was just like those three or four main elderly gentlemen who yeah. kept doing it. It's like, all right, give it a rest. Also, he went over four, so they looked. That's bad. what I'm also saying. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, he also went over four. I, st- I try to start a chant, trade him now. Uh, because <laughs> From he the went press box. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was kind of, you, you were not veiling your... Weird uh, flex, right? Yeah, weird flex. Um, Who were they? Were they dire- I guess they were directing that at Rizzo. Yeah, do but you really think is- that the four of you chanting that every time that Rizzo... Oh, you know what? Those four guys really want him locked yeah, up. I should exactly. probably do that. But I will say, I was very impressed with so many chants that you do. Like, you never know when to stop it. Like, you start a chant, it, you know... Yeah, yeah. Let's say you were going with, uh, I don't know... Um, like, uh, we can't hear you. Yeah, and you just keep doing that. And then there's always, inevitably, some guys at the end that do it one too many times. Exactly. And they're just, we can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, like, Come look on, around. Guys, like, we're yeah. still doing it. <laughs> or they just realize immediately that they went too far or they went with too many times and they just abandoned it halfway through. Yeah. They're just, like, put their hands in their pockets. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, go that, team. That showed them. Uh, so they were very well coordinated. I, I think it was uh, six times maybe or whatever, but it was, like, lock him up, lock him, and then they – Boom. It, it was well, whoever was uh, conducting it. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did that. I mean, it's a podcast. You can't see it, but he did like a hand motion, like wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was well-timed. It was beautiful. Um, shame Anthony Rendon went 0 for 4. Yeah, it, it is. And that, back to the original point is that a guy like Anthony Rendon, who is hitting in your third spot with guys like Adam Eaton and Trey Turner above him, going 0 for 4 and leaving guys on base, isn't something you want to see. No. But it's still early game one. I'm, 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 Paul, I am so like you in the sense where like, oh my gosh, guys, for people who are panicking, this is kind of how I brought this topic up because, oh my gosh, people on Twitter who are panicking about the Nationals losing game one, guys, it's one of 162. Can we please relax? And Bobby, what do we say 
you know, at this point in every season is pit, good pitching always beats good hitting, period. And also good pitching tends to dominate in April and March. Hitters are always behind pitchers. Exactly. That's just what happens. I mean, this, hence, the, look at this game. This game was a perfect example of DeGrom and, I mean, two Cy Young Award winners, obviously, but they were just dominating this game. Cano got one ball, you know, he, that Max left up and was able to drive it out of the park. Yep. So, that's, that's going to happen. But pitchers you dominate hitting, especially early on in the season, especially in the cold. It's just hard to swing in the cold. Yeah. So I, I And remember, Anthony Rendon was like – he was pretty good um, through the first few months of the season, but then he like really caught fire in August and September and ended up hitting close to 300 and having a super high war and was fine. So yeah. um, Anthony Rendon is going to be – he's still going to be Anthony Rendon. Yeah, I'm not concerned about Anthony Rendon. I, I, if I pick him between the two, I would say I'm probably more concerned about Zimmerman again because I really 100%. think he needs a, a big uh, comeback season. And again, to his credit, he he smacked that ball, and it just happened to be in the, and that defensive made a player made a fantastic play. So I mean, it's hard to. It's going to happen. It's baseball. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the most frustrating games on the planet in terms of how how it goes. Exactly. I mean, two more feet to the, I guess the the infielders left. It's a base hit. It's a tie game. So um, things happen. All right, one last one. And we talked about a little bit right just then and there about the fans. Um, did you notice, obviously, opening day, Yeah. one of the best traditions. We also covered the auditions of the racing presidents, which was fun. First president's race of the 2019 I ran season. Pres- yeah. You did, yeah. That was, was a blast. You versus Sarah Parman, I remember that. Very, very difficult. The fans booed the very first president's race. Right. So they're, yeah. Explain, break it down. I'm going to break it down because I think someone replied to me on Twitter when I tweeted that, and um, I, he asked for more details, and I, I was going to give him a response, but then I got sidetracked, and I forgot to respond. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so, you know, it's opening day, all the fanfare. We got flyovers. We got a huge national anthem. We've got fireworks, player introduction, everything. Everything's so grand. The first president's race, George... Abe and Teddy run halfway around the warning track. Yeah. And then Tom comes out in the bullpen cart and finishes by himself. What are we doing? What are we doing? What, what, what is that? Fans booed. I have never seen or heard the president's race get <laughs> booed. It's a fan favorite. Everyone loves the president. The, the, right. the presidents are one of the most recognizable mascots in all of baseball. And they got booed on opening day. Well, yeah. So... That's insane. Here's here's the idea. I totally agree with the decision though cuz it was a boring president. It was not it was not well. I think people so here here's here are all the things in, in in play. So the president's race starts. They start from the 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 furthest back point that I've ever seen them start from, which was right in front of the third baseline. Yeah, the, the gate outside the third baseline. Once they start there, I immediately turn to you and I say that's so far that they would have to go so far. Then now, Paul, our, they do sometimes do that, but they're like there are usually things along the way that they that, do, yeah. or it's just you know kind of an endurance race, which exactly. is sometimes which is more impressive. Yeah, true. Because those guys are running, you you know for oh, firsthand how yeah, hard it difficult. and heavy that thing is, and you run around the three quarters or two thirds of the warning track. Yeah, but go on, sorry, go ahead. So, but from our viewpoint, you could see that Thomas Jefferson was waiting in the wings, and the only place that they could have the space to bring that card out is center field. Right. Dead center field, that little area, which is usually where they start the race from. So, we could see that Thomas Jefferson was going to come that way. So, they all, all three of those presidents, once the cart comes out, give up, and they go into that center field area. Thomas Jefferson comes out of that center field 
gate and goes all the way. And there are so many, that ride is so long to go from, I mean, because that is usually the length of the president's race, but it's a long way to go to go from center field to first base. I think people were, you know, because that was so elongated, it was like we knew what the decision was, you know, that because the other three presidents had already given up. So I think the fans were booing the fact that, you know, the three presidents gave up, which, that, look, that is not in the ilk of, of George Washington, of Teddy, and uh, Abe. and Abe. Look, I mean, <laughs> uh, Teddy, you know, uh, ended up running for president after uh, he gave basically gave it up to his friend uh, Taft and ended up running four years later. Uh, so he doesn't give up. We know G. Dubs doesn't give up. He never gave up in the Revolutionary War when they had their backs against the wall. America. And and we know that Abe never gives up as well because of, you know, in the Civil War and all that he went through. So those three presidents, that was out of character for them. Thomas Jefferson cheating, little bit in character. <laughs> uh, if if we read between the lines historically, you know, he was a, he was a fine president, made the Louisiana Purchase. Um, you know, made some good decisions in office, obviously. Wrote the Declaration of Independence. Wrote the Declaration of Independence. He made some questionable personal decisions. All right. Um, so I, you know, that makes a little bit more sense. So I think people were booing the fact that those three presidents made out-of-character decisions and quit, and were they're also booing the fact that, hey, we are ex- we are bringing up the the troubling historical past that it, that surrounded Thomas Jefferson, and, and he was a, a, a great founding father, but the fact that we are being, it is being thrown in our face that he made some questionable decisions along the way, that's what they were booing. Right. I also think they were booing. I think it's historic. It was such a it's long totally race, and then you see Tom go on the bullpen car, and you're just expecting something else to happen. Like and we've nothing seen else happened. The it was Easter anticlimactic. Bunny. Right. So anticlimactic. And not only did he ride the bullpen cart for the rest of the way, they stopped before the ribbon. He got off and then ran through it. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You might as well just run through it in the bolt. That would look yeah. a little cooler than exactly. just like, all right, hold on, pause. I need to get up real quick. Stretch right. my legs. Okay, now I win. It's like, okay, whatever. So right. I think not an overreaction for the fans to boo that. It was kind of very anticlimactic, especially for opening day. Right. Uh, I think what would have made more sense is if they had gotten, you had those three presidents and they get all the way close to the line. And then um, you're like, the whole time, you're like, where's Thomas Jefferson? And then he comes in the back in a cart, and then it's a dead sprint right, right. to the end. That would have been great. Who's actually going to win? And then we don't actually know who's going to win there. Yeah. Um, so I think that would have been more interesting. Um, but tough break, especially if those were the new recruits. Oh, yeah. It, to get booed. What if Thomas Jefferson was a brand new person you know, yeah. that, uh, that I met? Yeah. Who knows? I feel I feel personally bad for those guys, but and I think it's a bigger story. Honestly, we saw a smattering of boos for Bryce Harper in Philly when he struck out for the second time in his home debut. Shocker! This is a bigger who story. That? You know, the, the Philly fans booed Bryce Harper a little bit, a little bit. Not all. You know, there were some smattering. They did not boo Race Hoskins. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus, uh, but never forget the day that the Nationals fans booed our. I will not father. trust me. I will not. <laughs> it was eye opening. I was like, is this really happening? It was awesome. Um, I right. think I just spent eight minutes talking about that. Yeah, we did. And I got sidetracked because we started talking about the fans. And that reminded me of that um, last one uh, of the overreactions on the list. It might be the biggest one that people are talking about today. Davey Martinez's bullpen management. Let's, let's, let's run through this real quick. Here's the situation. It's still a one nothing game. Bottom of the seventh, no outs, pitcher spot due up. Yeah. Max Scherzer goes to bat for himself, records an out. We go to the eighth, top of the eighth. Max comes back out to pitch. He gets two outs, and he gets pulled. 
incomes. Let me double check real quick. I have the box score right here. Incomes Miller. Yep. To face uh, he he gave up a hit and then uh, gets pulled, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get an out. And then Matt Grace comes in and records the out. Uh, I guess everyone's question the the topic of today is why, <laughs> like yeah. why bat Max in a spot where it's a run one run game. You have Matt Adams sitting on the bench, a power lefty, yep, and then run him out for only two thirds of an inning and not let him finish the inning, and then get get to the ninth and, and try to win it in a walk off fashion. Yeah. I mean, it was just an. It was curious. maybe we're like overthinking it again, but it kind of just falls in the line like these other topics where same old, same old. I mean, Davy Martinez's bullpen management came into question a lot in 2018. Now we we kind of gave him a pass, or at least some people gave him a pass because it's his first time managing. Yep. You're in year two now. This isn't going to fly as easily as it did last year. People are going to kind of nitpick and pull you apart, and he's getting some of it today. Again, only one game, but it just seemed like yesterday was a microcosm of all of 2018 season, and it's just kind of brutal to see on opening day. Yeah, it was brutal to see, and yeah, agreed. I think that he, he suffers from the fact that he, you know, from history, he he is the victim of uh, you know the owns the owns the story that he told last year. So, but yeah, that was that was weird. Um, there were there were just a numerous ways that he could have done that differently. You know, he could have if he was going to leave Max in, then leave Max in and let him finish out the you know the top of the of the eighth. eighth. Um, you know, he he got a couple runners on base, but you you know he he already had twelve strikeouts to that point. At that point, your offense has done not a whole lot. You haven't driven anybody in. If if there were runners on base in that situation where he let Max hit, I would understand that's more egregious. There weren't, so there's nobody on right. base. That's kind of my. But you my hope point that a, a start, you know, that um, you think that if, uh, obviously Max is a great hitting pitcher, but you think that a pinch hitter would be able to spark a rally more than than Max. Yeah. So and you turn the not turn the lineup over technically because you have Victor Robles, but you're basically turning the lineup right. over, and you have three speedy guys right behind you that you know can do damage, and so yeah, which had, that situation that played into Davies' hands earlier in the game, they weren't able to capitalize yeah. where Max ended the ending and the lineup. Basically, quote unquote, flipped over because you had Victor Robles, Adam Eaton, and Trey Turner top of the whatever yeah. or the bottom of whatever ending that was. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Max gets two outs. He did walk a guy, but the, the Mets end up scoring in um, in the top of the eighth mm-hmm. without Max on the mound and make it a two run game as opposed to keeping it a one run game. Now you need two, three runs to win it in the in the ninth, and obviously they don't get any. But it's just. This little again, it just goes back to little decisions, little mistakes like that that cost this team a ball game. Where you know, you, something you, who knows what happens. It wouldn't really frustrating actually if two run game and the Nats end up scoring one in the ninth, but can't yeah. win. It. It's like, well, dang! If Max had just finished the eighth yeah. with and the, clean, and there were know, a lot of moments we're going like that extras, yeah, last year. and it just felt like it was right. And it's twenty eighteen all over again, exactly, and. You know, maybe this decision probably doesn't cost them the game by itself. You know, say say they. Oh, we just talked about plenty of other things that happened that cost them the exactly. game. Exactly, it's it's all of the things adding up. It's if Victor Robles doesn't get thrown out trying to take home on that play, 
And if they don't, you know, if one of those things breaks right, maybe they can win. It's just all the little things adding up. Right. Um, that that that's what baseball is. I think, it, like, you know, all those topics that we just talked about, the base running, the not scoring with runners in scoring position, um, wasting starting good starting pitching outings, Davey Martinez's decisions. Those were all little things that yeah. throughout the course of last season happened by themselves that cost some games. It was just. A significant bummer to see all of them come together <laughs> on opening day and all happen yes. at once. Um, and the Nationals drop game one, two, nothing yeah. to the Mets. And there's even le- and I think what uh, is concerning too is there's e- probably even less room for error this year than there was last year. Oh, absolutely. And that's what maybe the biggest concern right. is because we're in year two now of David Martinez's because, tenure. Yeah, because this is who knows, you know, obviously, but. Th- uh, how exactly this you know these teams are going to do in the NL East, but this in theory right now is not the same Mets team that's going to find ways to kick itself and lose. Like right. they, this is a Mets team that is poised to take advantage of those mistakes. They probably didn't have a hitter in their lineup who could take advantage of a misplaced fastball like Robinson Cano did. Yeah, um, you know, so they have they're a better team, and you know if you if you drop games like this to divisional player to you know to divisional rivals, that just uh, that hurts. Yep, yep, yep. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, that's one of the keys for the Nationals to win this division is, is win the games in division. It's going to be a tough. We talked about this, Paul, before. It's going to be a tough battle all year long because you got four competitors that are going to beat up on each other. Who can win the most game against the Marlins? Um, but like we said earlier, it's also one game of 162. Yeah, true. There's 161 more games to be played. Very early. It's fun to talk about. It's fine. It, we can talk about it, but let's pump the brakes in terms of it's all happening again. Um, and I'm pumped for this weekend. you still got two of your three aces, so to speak, on the mound. You have Steven Strasburg on Saturday, and then you have Patrick Corbin, who everybody's pumped to see. Really, really excited to see Corbin. On Sunday. Uh, both uh, 1 o'clock game and then one thirty-five game on Sunday. Yep, both on mass and pre- and post-game before and after the show. Check out Dan Colco and Bo Porter and their new roles. They did Alex a great job. Chappell. Yeah, Alex Chappell on the silent. They, they did a great job with the hour-long pre-game show yep. yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're super pumped to be in their new roles, and it's going to be a fun season with them all year long. Dan, uh, if you haven't seen the suit that he wore yesterday, it was like it was a bright blue, but it was also like I couldn't tell the texture of it. I asked him before we went on air when he came on Mass and All Access what it was made of, and he said he had no idea. But it was like there was an interesting material there, and then he had an interesting shirt. Yeah. Um, but it was also funny because I was wearing like red and blue. I'm talking wardrobe here, Bobby. This is what the people came to, to, to listen to this podcast for. But I was like a dulled version of him. He was a, a spotlight. He was bright red, bright blue, and bright white. I mean, he shone like the sun. Oh, Paul, don't sell yourself short. You look oh, just as it, great. I love that jacket, oh, the, the red you. jacket. You guys were great. You guys were wearing red and blue. Good combination on, yeah. on camera. And then Carol Maloney, obviously, with her red puffy jacket. It was just... Great Nationals color representation America. all the time. And Marco, yeah. Uh, Paul, where can the people find you on the Twitters? At Paul Mancano. It's literally my first and last name. Bobby, where can we find you? At Bobby underscore Blanco. It's literally my first and an underscore and my last name. Yep, fair. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Give us a follow. Spread the word. We'll be here all season long. And we will hear from you, or you'll hear from us, rather, Tuesday, Bryce Harper's return yeah. to Nationals Park. Be sure to tune in to Mass and All Access all day that day, 
Masson has the cover. I think actually, I believe Masson two has the coverage that day. But we will also be posting up another episode podcast from Nats Park. We'll be hearing from Bryce Harper in his return in a Phillies uniform to DC. So stay tuned for that. For Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, the Mats on All Access podcast. We'll talk to you later.